Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Adventology. As you know, everything we do on this podcast is designed to help you be ready for Jesus. And once again, I am super excited to be with you guys today. We are going to be getting into some interesting topics, including the faith of Enoch and the devotional life of the remnant. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, if you have a question or a comment, you can reach out to me at Travis at Adventology.com. You can also message me on Instagram or follow me there at Pastor walk and we really appreciate that if you have enjoyed this podcast let me remind you to subscribe to it it's free and uh, we would also encourage you to rate and review this podcast you know especially if you're an apple podcast or spotify um, if you could leave like a one sentence review and a five-star review that would be much appreciated it just helps others Find this podcast and be blessed like you have been. But today we're going to be jumping right into this topic of Seth and Enoch. And as you can imagine, since our last episode, we are going to just pick up right where we left off, you know, with Cain and Abel. Obviously, after Abel was killed and Cain was banished, You know, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve had another son, and his name was Seth. And so Seth kind of took the place of the head of the family, so to speak. He became kind of the child of the promise. He became the the head of a line of holy men that you can find their lineage right there in the book of Genesis, specifically Genesis chapter 5. We find the generations from Seth going all the way down to Noah. And so we find that uh, according to the Bible, once we get to the sixth generation after Seth or the seventh generation from Adam, we have the birth of Enoch announced. And so Enoch becomes a very important character in the antediluvian world. And so let's learn a little bit more about Enoch by turning to our Bibles in Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 21 through 24. And the Bible says, Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. And had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So there are only three people in the Bible that we are aware of, besides Jesus Christ, who lived on this earth and are currently living in heaven today. Now, I'm not saying there are only three, but there are only three by name that we know. And the ones that we are most familiar with, of course, are Moses and Elijah. 
And Moses, of course, died. But when we go to the book of Jude, we find a description of Jesus coming and arguing with Satan over the body of Moses because God had decided to resurrect him. And we know that he was resurrected because when we get to the New Testament story of the transfiguration of Christ, we find that Moses was one of the people that appeared to Jesus there on the mount. Now, the other man that appeared to him there was Elijah. And Elijah, of course, was one of the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament. And God did a lot of wonders through both of these men. And Elijah, though, did not die. In fact, Elijah was taken in a chariot of fire right in front of Elisha. But besides these two men, the only other name in the Bible that we have other than Jesus that was translated to heaven was Enoch. And we don't get a lot of information about him right here in the text except for the fact that he walked with God and that God took him. Now, that essentially describes the relationship that Enoch had with God. Enoch's relationship with him grew to the point that God just took him out of this world into the next. It's quite amazing when you think about it. But we find a little bit more information about this translation in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 5 and 6. It says here, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the logical question that we have to ask ourselves when we look at this story is, well, what kind of faith did Enoch have? that allowed him to walk with God to the point that not only did he please God, which is a testimony in and of itself, but that he pleased him so much that God just took him out of this earth and brought him to heaven to be with him. It's quite amazing. And, And so many people today feel like they have faith. But if their faith isn't resulting in a closer walk with God, if their faith isn't producing some kind of fruit that is evident to others in their life that they believe, then we need to truly question what kind of faith that we have. You know, just believing that God is God or just believing that the Bible is God's word or just believing that the gospel is true, is not faith in its truest sense. I mean, believing something is true is an important step. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you don't believe it, then there really is no hope. But believing must be followed up with action, right? I mean, the book of James talks about this, that faith without works is dead, right? So we only know for sure that we have faith if we follow 
that faith with obedience, right? If we believe the Word of God, then we are actually going to obey what the Word of God tells us to do. And on the flip side, the only way we can truly obey what the Word of God tells us to do is if we have faith. And and the problem that many people have is they're either doing one or the other the wrong way. For instance, if you have faith, if you believe the Word of God, or you say that you believe the Word of God, but you're not actually obeying what the Bible says, you know, that's one ditch. And that's a ditch that many people fall into. They say, oh, obedience is optional. But obedience isn't optional, friends. Obedience is the fruit, it's the evidence of what you believe. And to say that you believe something and then don't actually follow through and do it is the essence of hypocrisy, right? It's the essence of the problem that Christianity has in this world today for the most part. I mean, we have so many people proclaiming to be Christians, but they aren't living any differently than anybody else. And so it's very hard for non-believers to take Christians serious. Now, then there are some Christians, though, who do try to obey, but they try to do it on their own. And this was one of the major issues that was happening when Jesus came, and we call this legalism, right? When we're trying to obey God through our own strength. And so we're really not believing in the power of God. We're not really trusting in God to give us the strength to obey, and therefore we're not obeying either. Because obedience in our own strength isn't obedience. The Bible calls that filthy rags righteousness. And so how do we find the balance? We have to believe what the Bible says, and then we need to actually obey what it says. And that's exactly what Enoch did. And and that's the kind of faith that actually pleases God, because Faith and works are, in reality, two sides of the same coin. They cannot be separated from one another. You cannot have faith and not have works. And you can't have works, at least true works, and not have faith. And so, what does that mean? What does that actually look like? You know, when we think about Enoch's faith, and when I think about it, I think of faith that leads into trust and dependence upon the word to do what it says it's going to do. And, you know, because the challenge in faith is believing when we can't see the next step ahead. It's believing when we can't hear what God is saying to us any longer. It's believing when we can't feel his presence, right? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. And so there are a lot of times when it's pretty easy to walk by faith when we can see, when we can hear, when we can feel. But what do we do when those things are taken away? What happens when our senses let us down? Are we still going to believe? Are we still going to obey even though we can't see what's ahead? We have to trust God. We have to depend on him, don't we, if we're going to make it through those times. And the promise is, of course, that he will 
be with us. He is our shepherd. He is the one who is going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. He's the one that's going to take us to the other side of the Jordan. He is the one who is going to help us and strengthen us to walk on water. There are so many examples in the Bible of how God helps us and provides for us and opens the door for us when we trust in him. So how do we do this on a practical level? Well, it comes down to discipleship, right? I mean, if you look at Jesus's call to discipleship, you will find all the elements we need to walk with Jesus explained in the text. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So here in this text, we find three different steps to an active faith life, an active faith life that leads to walking with Jesus. That's the goal, right? But we can't follow Jesus. We can't walk with him unless we do these first two steps, right? Number one is we have to deny ourselves. So that is where our faith begins. We have to let go of trusting ourselves and disconnect ourselves from this world so that we can connect ourselves to Jesus Christ. There's a surrender that takes place there. There is a letting go and letting God, so to speak, that happens. And that is step one. So we need to believe and then we need to obey, right? Carrying the cross, that is often associated with obedience, right? Because it's not easy to obey. It's not always easy to do what God asks us to do. But when we deny ourselves first, then we're able to let go of self and trust God and move forward in faith and obey what God is asking us to do. And through obedience, then we're able to walk with him. Then we're able to follow him. Then we're able to do what Jesus did. You know, the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? So we have to not just believe that Jesus is our Savior, we have to obey Jesus as our Lord as well. And when we do both of those things, then we are walking in relationship with him. That's why he said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, you know, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? And he talks about in this passage about taking his yoke upon us and learning from him because he is meek and lowly in heart, and we will find rest for our souls because his burden is easy, his burden is light. And that's only when we let go of ourselves and trust the word of God and obey the word of God, and when self has been lost sight of, then we're able to walk with Jesus because we are agreed with him, and he takes the burden of it off of our shoulders. Um, And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. You know, it is God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure when we humble ourselves and when we walk with him. And this is how we have the the kind of faith that Enoch had. And this is the faith that we have to have every day. It's not just a one-time deal. You know, it's not just, hey, I believed in Jesus when I was 12 years old and got baptized, and so now I'm a Christian. No, 
That's not the kind of faith that Enoch had. Enoch had a faith that grew each and every day, each and every year. For 300 years after he had his firstborn son, he continued to grow closer and closer to God until the point was that God took him. And so again, we find the Bible gives us an example, a a teaching on how we do this. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So walking with Jesus is the same as believing in Jesus because both require faith. We're not walking with him through our own strength. We're walking with him through dependence on him, through trusting in the word to do what it says it's going to do. And as we believe and as we trust and as we depend, then we are able to walk the walk of Enoch. We're able to move through this world and overcome because Enoch did not live in a sin-free world and neither do you and I. And so the practical aspect of this comes down to our devotional life, right? Because the only way that we're going to have that kind of faith that Enoch had is by having a devotional life like Enoch had. And so there are several things that I believe are very important to implement into your devotional life if you want to have this kind of faith in your life. And it begins with having a consistent time that you meet with God every day. My recommendation is to do it in the morning. First thing, wake up before you do anything else. Spend time with Jesus. That becomes your anchor for each day. That becomes the time when you are able to recalibrate and make sure that your heart and mind are in alignment with the will of God. And as you do that, right, you have to read the Bible, right? And so you don't just spend time with God, just you and him and and kind of in your own thought, but you want to hear from him. And the way that God speaks to us is through the word of God. So spend time with Jesus in the word of God and have a plan. Don't just read haphazardly through the Bible. Systematically read through the Bible. And it doesn't matter how fast you read through it. That's not really the important thing. What's important is that you're consistently moving through the Bible and that you are growing in your understanding of the Bible each and every day. And then, of course, you have to put into practice what you read. I think this goes without saying, but maybe not. It's one thing to read something. It's another thing to put it into practice. And so to really make that devotional life last and be effective throughout the day, you have to actually apply what the Word says. You have to obey what the Word says. You have to make changes to your life according to what the Word says. That's what we call reformation. So revival is what happens in the morning. Revival is what happens when you spend time with God, when you open the Word of God, when you give yourself to Him, when you believe, when you trust And then when you actually go out and obey what the Word of God says, that's when you really learn how to depend on God. And that's really where your prayer life is going to pick up as well. Because the moment you realize you can't do it, 
but God is asking you to do it, you're going to be praying for God's help throughout the day. And so you're going to be conscious of his presence throughout the day. And that is truly the key to victory, right? When you know God is with you, number one, you're not going to do something that would displease him. And number two, you're going to have confidence that when something comes up that is out of your control or something that you weren't expecting, that he's there to help you. And finally, spending time with Jesus will ultimately lead to us actually sharing the word with others around us, right? You know, the Bible tells us in Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And, you know, that's not a pretty rosy text, right? I mean, it's it's kind of depressing in, in a way, but not depressing in the sense that Enoch was sharing the truth, but that so many of those who heard what he had to say rejected it. And this is the sad reality of the world we live in. You know, Enoch was a minority. He was just a, a part of a few who were being true to God in the antediluvian world. And the same is true for us living today. You know, when we spend time with Jesus, he is going to call us to go out and share the truth of his word and the truth of his soon coming and the judgment that is to come upon this world and those living in the last days, just as those who were living before the flood were told that a judgment is coming. We know that soon and very soon there is a judgment coming to this earth and we can see all around us, the evidence that this world can't last too much longer. There are signs that Jesus gave us to let us know when his coming is near. And we can see those signs being fulfilled all around us today. And just like Enoch shared the truth with his generation, God is calling us to share this truth with the generation living today. And we find the actual text in the Bible that tells the message that God's people in the last days will be sharing with the world right before he comes. And it's found in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, which reads, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So we see that God gives the last generation a message, a message that his judgment has come, right? That the gospel is going to go to the whole world, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Everyone is going to know that Jesus has died for them. Everyone's going to know that he has covered their sins with his blood and everyone's going to know that they can receive forgiveness and eternal life through repentance. But those who reject that gift 
also are going to know that his hour of his judgment has come as well. And that there isn't a lot of time to just diddle-dally about whether or not you're going to make a decision to follow Jesus or to not follow him, right? We don't have a lot of time. The point of this message is to make a decision today because we do not know how much more time we have. But what we do know is that those who accept this message, those who preach this message, the book of Revelation refers to as the 144,000. Now, I don't believe that's a literal number, but I believe that it represents the church of God living on the earth in the last days. And it's interesting because one of the statements describing this group in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 4, says, These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And I love that because that pretty much lines up with what Enoch did, right? Enoch walked with God and then what? God took him. And it's the same thing that happens with this last generation. Those who have accepted the gospel, those who are not just believing, but they're actually obeying what the Bible says and they're actually following Jesus, right? Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That's how the Bible describes them in Revelation 14, 12. And so this group is called the 144,000. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. And one day, just like Jesus came and took Enoch, we know that this group will be taken as well. Notice what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I love that, because the Bible here is telling us that there is going to be a generation alive on earth when Jesus comes And although they are not going to die, they are going to be changed. And just like the dead are going to be raised incorruptible, just like the dead are going to be changed as they are transformed out of the grave, the living are going to be transformed right before their very eyes. And when Jesus comes, there's going to be a group of people, those who are being raised from the grave and those who are living on the earth, and they are all going to be raptured together, all going to be taken up into heaven to be with Jesus. Just as Enoch was taken, this group is going to be taken by Jesus. They're going to walk with Jesus all the way to the pearly gates in heaven, and they are going to live with Jesus throughout eternity in that holy city, New Jerusalem. And really, that's what this podcast is all about, right? This podcast is about how to be ready for Jesus. We want to be a part of those who are looking for Jesus, expecting Jesus, believing in Jesus, obeying Jesus, and ultimately living with Jesus throughout eternity. But not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to be ready when Jesus comes, right? There are going to be those who tell Jesus of all the wonderful things they did, and Jesus is going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Why? Because they really weren't walking with him. They said they were believers, but they did not actually do 
what Jesus asked them to do. He said, away from me, you who practice lawlessness. Friend, let's not be those who say one thing with our lips and don't actually follow through with our actions. You know, Jesus promised in the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it is my hope and prayer for you today that you will take the story of Enoch as an example for your own life. Don't let this message just blow off and be forgotten. Spend some time with Jesus. Kind of review your life. Ask God to search you. Ask him to know you because you may not even know yourself. Ask him to point out all the things in your life that you are hiding, that you haven't surrendered to him. Give everything to him and allow him to work in you. Because when you do that, you're giving him permission to change you. You're giving him permission to work on you from the inside out. And when he changes you from the inside out, when he comes in the clouds, you're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to be run and hiding from the rocks and the hills to fall on you, to hide you from the face of the lamb. You are going to be crying out, oh God, we have waited for you and here you are. We are looking forward to spending eternity with you. And I hope that that will be your experience as well. All right. Well, if you have any questions about today's episode, let me remind you again, you can email me at travis at aventology.com. I want to encourage you to also pick up the book Patriarchs and Prophets. If you haven't done so, I have a link for it in the show notes. And you can follow right along the topics that we're covering each week on this podcast with the chapters in that book. And there's so much more there than what we can cover in an episode here. But I know that between studying the Bible and reading that book, it's going to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Adventology. Be ready for Jesus. Speak life. Live love. Until next time. Maranatha. We gotta stay awake cause nobody knows a day or time. No. The trumpet's gonna blow when the skies are gonna open wide. Oh yeah. He's coming for us just like he told us. It's been a long wait but there's a new
Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back.